a, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, really doesn't have a problem with true science. Because true science and faith go together, and I don't think there's a problem between the two. The problem is there's a lot of wacky faith out there, and there's a lot of wacky science out there, and that's where we have the trouble, okay? But let's, let's just take a look at this today. Materialist, and, and basically the non-Christian worldview in the West is primarily materialistic and scientific. Materialists reject the existence of a spiritual world. They don't believe there are spiritual beings out there. They don't believe that there's a whole spiritual world that is as real and underpins everything in our world. We get these pictures in Scripture of Daniel, for instance, and the Old Testament, and he is praying, and there's a spiritual battle between two nations, the spiritual forces behind the nation of Greece and the nation of Persia. So we know that there are spiritual things that underpin our natural or physical world. And uh, people may not see it now, but a day is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue confess, because when Christ is revealed in his full glory to all the nations, uh, there is going to be no doubt. But for those of us that believe now, sometimes it can be a little uncomfortable because the people around us think you're crazy. How many of you are okay with that? I don't care if people think I'm crazy. I'll continue to love them, okay? And it's very interesting. Sometimes God reveals himself to people, and all of a sudden the spiritual world becomes very real to them. And that's my prayer, and I've seen it happen to people again and again. Uh, it's very interesting. I've seen people all their life that have believed in the Western materialistic uh, scientific worldview on their deathbed have an experience with the living God, and all of a sudden their whole worldview shifts. It's interesting how our circumstances can change how we look at the world, too. But like I said before, I believe that true science and faith do not disagree. A lot of science today, by the way, is politically uh, co-opted. Have you noticed that? There is a philosophical underpinning. There is even a political underpinning to a lot of science, and that's why I have problems. I love when I, when I see true science at work because it, it, it can't always say that there's a God, but it often affirms things. Uh, I love uh, Caroline Leaf's um, stuff on neurogenesis and neuroplasticity. Uh, remember uh, several months ago we talked about that, how science is affirming that as we renew our mind, as our mind is renewed by the power of the gospel and we change our thinking, it actually changes our genetic markers and can change our destiny and changes the way that our body responds to disease and things like that. That's an example of science affirming. Now, I didn't need... Uh, the studies on neuroplasticity, to tell me that, I, I knew it in the Word. But sure is good when there's good science to uh, back that up. Another really interesting study that's out there, and I can send you the link for this if you email me this if you want to look at this. University of Pennsylvania did a study on speaking in tongues. Wouldn't you like to have been part of that study? And they, there was a researcher there that thought, I want to find out. They were studying prayer, so not only did they look at people that spoke in tongues, Christians that spoke in tongues, but they also looked at Buddhists, uh, Catholic nuns. They went to all these different religious groups. So the, the premise was the researcher, I saw him uh, interviewed. As he's interviewed, he says, you know, he said, these people are saying that the words that they are speaking as they speak in tongues are not something they are making up. So he said there had to be a difference in the activity in the frontal lobe of their brain if it wasn't them making it up. 
So I studied, and he compared these different groups, and guess what he found out? When the Buddhist monks prayed and the Catholic nuns prayed, there was a lot of activity in the frontal lobe. When people were speaking in tongues, the activity dropped immensely. And these Christians that were full of the spirit that were speaking in tongues, he said, now this is what the researchers said, and this is true science, this is good science. He said, I can't say that what they're saying is God making them speak this way. But what I can say is what I discovered scientifically through my studies and MRIs and some of the imaging and other things that he did, what I discovered is consistent with what they believe and we can't explain it. Okay? So I love when scientists are honest. They can't prove the existence of God. We know that. Science is limited in that. Years ago when somebody said to me, how can you prove there's a God? And I took them to the edge of the, we were at the university and I had them look over this drop. And I said, if I drop you off this on your head, they said, you're not going to push me. I said, no, I'm not. I said, that's the only way you will enter eternity. The problem is you won't be able to come back and tell me about it. The guy said, you're scary. I said, here's the good news. There was one guy that came back, and he told us about everything that's there, and his name is Jesus, and then we had a conversation. It was kind of fun. So we know our limitations. And I think sometimes in faith, we stress to try to prove things scientifically. Faith was never meant to prove things, but it does, faith is based on uh, on facts. Here's another couple things. Compilation of 1,500 studies on faith and healing. Studies have shown that prayer can prevent people from getting sick, and when they do get sick, prayer can help them get better faster. These are studies that have proven this. Duke's, Duke University's Harold Koenig, who's an MD, uh, in this interview says this, an exhaustive analysis of more than 1,500 reputable medical studies, 1,500 studies, that's pretty interesting, indicates people who are more religious and pray more have better mental and physical health. Research at San Francisco General Hospital looked at the effect of prayer on 393 cardiac patients. Half were prayed for by strangers who had only the patient's names. Those patients had fewer complications, fewer cases of pneumonia, and needed less drug treatment. And people weren't told about who was praying for them. This was a blind study. It was a scientific study. So science can't say that God's making it happen, but science can say there's something out there that we can't understand. So for the skeptics that are here today, at least you can say, I'm not sure about all this, but I know uh, what can happen. And then also many people in medicine also believe in miracles. Louis Finkelstein Institute for Religious and Social Studies of the Jewish Theological Seminary in New York City sponsored a national survey of 1,100 doctors on the subject of miracles on the weekend prior to Christmas 2004. And here are the results. Physicians that believe miracles have occurred in the past, 74%. Physicians believing miracles can occur today, 73%. We need to pray for that 1%. Actually, we need to pray for the 27%. But the whole point is that there are a lot of people that are in medical fields that believe, yes, we do good things. And I thank God for doctors, don't you? I mean, we can, God can reveal things. I thank God for medicines. Those are all good things. But I rejoice even more when God intervenes and does something that no human being can do. And that's fun. God set up the natural laws. Well, miracles and healing are a suspension of the natural laws. Doctors can't do that, but God can. So I understand how natural science works and all of that. And I wanted to share that with you today because sometimes I think as Christians, we're not comfortable in the world we live in. And we need to have a clear view of how we fit in and what we can say. So let's talk about the gift of healing. 
It's provided for uh, healing of different kinds of sickness or diseases, apart from healing by natural means. The gift is imparted often through the laying on of hands or the proclamation of a word from God. Now, the Bible tells us that sickness can be rooted in either the spiritual, emotional, or physical spiritual, uh, spiritual fear of our being. So we need to understand there are different roots for sickness, and we're going to get into that in a moment. The Bible affirms that sickness and disease were not part of God's original design. When he designed this earth and he put Adam and Eve in the garden, it was not part of his original design for this planet. I'm convinced that poison ivy, dandelion, stuff like that came after the fall. And we have undergone a shift. Now, I don't know how that uh, happened scientifically, but all indications are as things began to fall apart genetically due to sin. And our world began to spin off in a way that God never had it designed to be. So sickness was not part of God's plan. And at the end of time, when he comes and restores the nations, restores the heaven and the earth, sickness will again no longer be part of his plan. Read Revelation 21. We won't take time to do that today, but it's exciting. No more sin, no more sickness, no more illness, no more envy, no more problems between people in relationships, no more war. How many of you want to sign up? There's a sign-up sheet on the tape. No, I'm just kidding. I'm ready for that right now. So most Christians accept the, the bulk of science regarding disease and treatment of disease, but we also believe that God can suspend natural law and intervene in the life of a sick person. And we see that all throughout Scripture. Thank God for the breakthroughs in medical science, but I want to thank God even more for his breakthrough sometimes in coming through in people's lives. If you ask me to explain to you why it happens the way it does, I don't know. I will be praying for a whole group of people. Sometimes I'm on the road and I'll be praying for people I don't even know. The Lord will speak things. Some people are instantly healed. Some people are touched. Other people, it seems like God isn't doing it. I don't know why. There could be a million answers to that. Only God knows. But one thing is for sure, I'm never going to stop asking. And I'm never going to stop obeying. And this whole idea that the church doesn't heal, minister healing today, Jesus modeled for us what he wants us to do. So step out in faith and pray for those around you that need healing. The world needs to see this dimension of God's redemption of his power. So what are some of the uh, reasons and applications for a gift of healing? It's to reveal God's love by re relieving human suffering uh, through the grace and power of God. What the Lord is doing is he's giving people a taste of the world to come. He's saying, this is my nature. This is who I designed you to be. It's his way of breaking into our broken world and reversing things that we've experienced. It's to authenticate God's word and witness in the world. I love when Jesus says to the Pharisees who are trying to tie him up with bad theology, he says, all right, so is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or be healed? And he heals the guy. And they all walk away going, hmm, what do we do with that one, okay? People don't just go around doing that. It's to reveal God's ultimate intention to restore all things as his kingdom is established. It's a picture of where we're going. Get confirmation of healing. Christians that uh, shut their doctors off, if God's healed you, the, your doctor can confirm it. 
I love where uh, Jesus says in Mark 144, see that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. In the Old Testament, the priests were the doctors of the day. They were the ones that were to determine whether somebody had a communicable disease and should be outside of the fellowship so it didn't spread. It was amazing. God gave that community uh, these laws to protect them. So the priests were the ones that would examine people. They also examined your house if you had mold or mildew. Go back and read all. I mean, it's just an amazing thing because they didn't want it to spread in the community. So Jesus is saying, it's okay. Go back and get a confirmation that what God has done in you is authentic. Okay? So if you've been authentically healed, it's okay to get confirmed by your physician. By the way, you want to get one of the physicians in the 72% group that do believe that God still does miracles. No, seriously, because people not realizing, I've noticed there are people in certain professions that can generate fear without meaning to. Insurance agents, doctors, attorneys. It's by nature what they do. And sometimes we go and we see these people and they're just trying to do the right thing and warn us about things that are out there. But you walk, there's a spiritual dynamic to what's happening, and you walk away, and you go, why do I feel so funny? Find a doctor that's going to affirm your faith in Christ. That's, that's all I need to say there. Five roots for disease or sickness. Let's take a look at this, because not all sickness is the same or disease is the same. The first root that I'm going to mention is demonic oppression or affliction, curses, generational strongholds, and patterns of disease. There can be a demonic root to your sickness. There are times in Scripture when Jesus does not pray for healing, he rebukes things. Why? Because there is a, an invasion of the spiritual world, the dark side, into your life that causes you to be sick. And Jesus commands the enemy. Remember Peter's mother-in-law in one of the gospel accounts. It says he rebuked her fever and it left. What was that all about? The enemy was trying to keep Jesus from experiencing this lady's hospitality and getting to know her. Okay? So there are times when the root of what we are is demonic. Sometimes what I see happening in the church is when we've experienced uh, being set free from something like that, we start to assume that all sickness has that same root. We need to discern what the root is. I hear people rebuking sickness sometimes, and I'm thinking, I'm not discerning that, that this is demonic. I think this is organic. Sometimes you can be sick because you don't have enough potassium. It has nothing to do with demons. It has something to do with the way you're taking care of your body or the way that your body is processing things. Does this make sense? And God can do different things. I was in a uh, hospital room with a grandmother and a mom praying for their child, and the doctors could not figure out anything of what was going on. And all of a sudden, uh, this I won't share the details of the story, but this grandmother got this diagnosis and shared it with the doctor. He said, I'm going to check this out. He said, stay here. And they went out and they checked the blood work. And sure enough, this child had something missing in their chemistry. And that's why they were sick. So, see, God doesn't heal all the same way. She could have prayed, laid hands on him, and healed. But you know what the real issue was, is that child needed to change their lifestyle, so God did it that way. Do you see how God works supernaturally in different ways at different times? Sometimes uh, sickness is organic. That's the second root. It can be caused by physical injury. 
Uh, it can be caused by organic disease. And let's, let's be honest about this. Our bodies wear out. Someday we'll exchange what we have for a glorified body, like the body that Christ has. But right now, there's the effects of aging. So yesterday, I'll get personal here. I don't know about you, but it's been raining so much. So I did one month of weed whacking in four hours. <laughs> I felt like I was a warrior. Some of the things that are usually about that high were over three feet high that I was cutting down, you know, and I thought, so when I came into the house, I go, it used to be easier 20 years ago. I wonder why it's gotten so hard. I can still do it, but you feel it. As you get older, you know, you, you, that's, that's just what happens. I want to give you a, a, a caveat here, though. Don't assume because somebody is old that God doesn't want to heal them. We had a man many years ago in our fellowship named Eldred, and uh, I met him. He was actually going to a Lutheran church, and his family was attending here. And uh, he was at Akron General Hospital with general systemic, I mean, everything was failing, kidneys, liver. I mean, he was going down, and they called the family all together, and they said, can you come down and pray with us? We went into the Akron General waiting room. We asked the people there if we could turn the TV down. You know, they always have TVs going like crazy in waiting rooms. And the whole family got down on their knees. I didn't tell them to do this. Everybody knelt down on the floor, and we began to pray for Eldred. Eldred's 89 years old. Now, a lot of people would say, you know, Eldred's 89. He's had a long life. He's had a good life. It's time for him to go home. But guess what? That's not our choice. And we cried out to God. And we said, Lord, we ask you to intervene in the name of Jesus Christ. One of the things was Eldred didn't know who the Lord was yet. So we were concerned. He was unconscious. Within 40 minutes, I was talking to Eldred and all his signs had changed and all of his organs had started functioning again. Eldred ended up coming to our church. And there was a, a dramatic presentation out, out of uh, one of the um, parables and that morning, he gave his life to Christ. He was with us till age 93. Two weeks before he died, he was living at Laurel Lake. He had stopped driving because he didn't feel safe driving. But he called me up. He said, can we have lunch? And I went and had lunch with him. And we're sitting there at Laurel Lake. And he said to me, he said, I know why God kept me alive. He said, I've got all these grandkids that I needed to bless. And he said, I needed to speak blessing over them. But I didn't know how because I wasn't a believer he said, but now I am, and I've been able to hold them in my arms, and I've been able to bless them, and I've been able to love them. He said, now, he said, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm ready to go. He said, but there's one thing I want to do before I go. He said, I feel like you're supposed to build that factory that you bought, this building. And he said, I want to be one of the first people to give a gift for that. We got the gift in the mail. Several days later, he went home to be with the Lord. He had this sense when God healed him at age 89, and I told him that. I said, Eldred, I said, God has stuff for you to do. That's why he said that to me. So don't assume at any age, the Lord has plans for us. He wants to do things. He can heal. And uh, yet, on the other hand, there are times when we need to let people go, and the Lord is saying, this one is coming home to me. I know that there are some people out there that believe that God should heal everybody and that nobody should die. Many years ago, a friend of mine from Pittsburgh, uh, not a believer, uh, said to me, and this is right after Catherine Kuhlman passed away. How many of you remember Catherine Kuhlman? She was an evangelist, and uh, I think based in Pittsburgh, but she also had meetings in Youngstown where I lived. And 
Uh, she passed away in her 70s. I don't know, she was 73, 76, but she had lived a, a good life. And she went home and this guy said, see, I told you, God is not real. She was a real faith healer. She'd have been healed. And I said, well, how long do you want her to live? That's not your choice. And the Lord took her home. But for him, that was proof that God didn't exist. I thought, how interesting that we, we think that way. Uh, there was another church years ago, Charisma Magazine, talked about it in Florida. They were boasting that nobody had died in their church for 15 years. David Wilkerson, in his newsletter, wrote about that church, and he said, because they had attended there and they left, he said, the reason nobody's died in that church is they are so rabid about faith in the wrong way that if anybody does get sick, if they tell you that you're sick because you don't have enough belief and they condemn you. So people are going to a church where they'll be loved and people discern what God is doing. Can we grow up here? I mean, this is some of the, and this is why some people stay away from charismatic or spirit-filled churches because of some of the foolishness that's out there. I want to share this with you because we need to grow up and we need to be like the scripture says, according to the word, we need to be adults. We need to mature and we need to be people of discernment. The third root of disease is sin. Now, I want to be real careful when I talk about this because sometimes people go under condemnation and that's not my desire here. Lifestyle problems caused by disobedience to God. Curses can be self-imposed through sin, or sometimes it's a matter of us reaping what we sowed. Nobody talks about this today. This is not in my notes, but let me just share this with you, because this is one of the greatest scandals in the United States right now. If you go to the Center for Disease Control and look at the statistics on sexually transmitted infections and diseases, you will find out that we are literally in an epidemic that almost one half of all Americans have a sexually transmitted disease. Is that because God doesn't like us? No. I don't think God wants anybody to be sick. But if we disobey God's laws and principles, we will reap in our bodies, in our lives, what happens. If you have sex with people outside of marriage and you have sex with a, a large number of people, you're going to have a chance, a very high chance. On, on campuses in the state of Ohio, you have a 50-50 chance of getting an STI if you have a casual hookup with somebody on the campus. 50%! You want to take those odds in Vegas? <laughs> Think about it. That's pretty scary. And nobody's talking about it because it's politically incorrect. Can I tell you that God's principles stand true whether we believe them and talk about them or not? Whatever a man sows, he will reap. Does God love people if they disobey him? Yes, he does. But he doesn't stop the consequences because this is the way he set the world up. If we obeyed the Lord and we married one person and stayed faithful to them throughout all our lives... We wouldn't have to worry about sexually transmitted diseases. I went to a new doctor one time, and they said, well, we want to do these tests. We do these with all of our patients. I said, I don't need those tests because I've been faithful to my wife. She said, yeah, most people say that, but we're going to do the tests. I said, no, you're not. I'm going to a different doctor. I know who I am, and I know I've been faithful to my wife, and I don't need all these different tests that you're going to do. I don't want you to feel condemned if you've lived a life of rebellion against the Lord because God forgives us. 
but sometimes we have the consequences of our lifestyle that we live with. God can even heal us of those, and I've seen him do it. But sin can lead to consequences, and a lot of the disease that's in our world today is because people are living contrary to God's design. As politically incorrect as that is, I said it. And we need to hear it. We need to hear that. Listen to 1 Corinthians. We read this a lot when we come to the communion table. 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 30 says this, So anyone who eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. Disobedience can lead to, and by the way, have you ever thought of this? There are, right now, in the United States, a number of denominations that call themselves Christian that teach all sorts of compromised lifestyles, and yet they celebrate the communion of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to understand that by doing that, they're bringing judgment on themselves. Think about that for a moment. You don't dishonor the Lord and disobey him and pretend to do the things that God has told us to do. But the other thing is, think about the Corinthian church. Paul is talking about a group of people that were living sinful lifestyles. They were ignoring the poor. They were coming to their love feast, and people that had food were not sharing with those that didn't have any. They were getting drunk at the love feast. They were drinking too much wine. And uh, they were making a mockery of the Lord's Supper. And the Lord is saying, you can't do that. And they were also divided with one another. They would come to communion, but they were fighting with one another. If you have broken relationship and unforgiveness in your heart, and you don't reconcile that, what happens is we bring sickness into our life. A lot of it, I think, is stress-related. But some of it is directly spiritual. Here are some of the lifestyle problems that can lead to uh, a spirit, uh, to physical problems, rebellion, unforgiveness. Can I tell you that I think many people that end up with serious, what we call mental problems, are really emotional and spiritual problems? If they would just forgive and let go of the injustices and allow God to heal their heart, and sometimes what we do I'm not saying that drugs are bad because, like I already shared with you, they can be good. They can be in the right situation. They can help us out a lot. But if you're medicating unforgiveness and bitterness of heart, it's not going to work. And this is why we need to be aware of the roots of illness, that there's an obedience component here. Let me say something else that is not real popular. There are lots of charismatic and Pentecostal believers. I'm going to pick on them specifically. They want God to heal them all the time, but they keep stuffing themselves with donuts and bad food. It's called gluttony. The Bible talks about it. We don't talk about it too much because pastors don't want to offend their congregants. I battle it. If you want to talk about a serious problems, it's donuts. So the other day, Amazon announced that one of the first things their drones are going to deliver are fresh donuts. I go, so now I, ha- I can have a drone come to my house with hot donuts. 
And some of you bring in your favorite donuts and leave them for me, you know. So after Sunday, poor Jeff and I are sitting there, you know, the coffee, looking at your donuts going, they've left temptation right in front of our eyes. I can't believe this. I mean, let's just be real honest about that. If we're drinking 64 ounce, what is that, a gallon? Big gulps that have the daily amount of sugar. Actually, do you know how much sugar your body's allowed to take? One of those super giant gulp things, whatever they're called, has enough sugar. You shouldn't eat that much sugar in two or three weeks. And people are putting in their body in one hour. Somebody said to me the other day, I think we have a lot more disease in America because God is angry and he's judging us. And I said, no, I I think actually we have a lot more disease in America because people are eating levels of sugar that nobody ever imagined possible. So here's the guy who believes God can heal you But don't abuse your body and then say, all right, God, I blew it again. Can you put me back together again? This is a little uncomfortable, isn't it? But it's true. Look at some of the things that are up there. Unhealed spiritual wounds. That's why we do uh, the Living Free class in our church. We want people to deal with the spiritual issues of their life so that they can become whole body, soul, and spirit. When I dealt with a spirit of fear and worry that was part of a generational stronghold, it's the way our family always processed life. We were worriers, and I thought it was normal and natural. And God said to me, worry is a sin. I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but a power and love and sound mind. And God delivered me. My blood pressure went down 25 points. Went down from like 145 down to 120 over 71 or whatever it was. And I was amazed, and the doctor was amazed. I could have taken blood pressure medicine, but how much better to deal with the root? So I'm in favor of meds, but if there's a spiritual root and you're medicating a spiritual problem or you're medicating a demon, it doesn't work very well, okay? I'm just being honest with us here. That's why we need to discern. Slander and accusation. Do you know the Bible says that when we slander people, it goes down into our innermost parts. It actually becomes part when we speak against others, when we're negative and have a critical spirit, it affects us. The Bible says that bitterness, unforgiveness that we don't deal with is like brittleness to our bones. It affects our body. And science is affirming that by telling us that when you are bitter, when you have a a bad attitude, it actually leaches things that are good out of your body. Rejection, occultism, being involved in witchcraft and spiritual darkness, which is more common than ever right now, unfortunately. Addictions, anger and rage, walking in fear and anxiety. This is just a partial list. These can all be a root of sickness in your life. And that's why the Lord tells us that we need to deal with that. So we'll pray for instant healing for you, but we also want to deal with a long-term transformation of your heart, your mind, and also your body. I believe your health can improve as your spirit and your soul are healed. Can you say amen? Because you're awfully quiet this morning. I already talked about number four, stewardship of our health. God expects us to be good managers of our body and health. Can we dishonor God in the stewardship of our health and then continue to expect God to do miracles? Do we overload our body with sugars, fats, sodas, any other kind of gluttony? Do you honor the Sabbath? I know some people that never take a break. They never rest. That is unbiblical.
We don't rest. Janice, early in our ministry, I was becoming a spiritual workaholic. My dad was a workaholic. He worked, I don't know, 80, 90 hours a week, easy, had all these businesses going. And I started doing the same thing. I'll never forget what Janice said. You, you are justifying that you're doing this for the Lord, and you're becoming just like your dad, but you have a spiritual religious hypocrite thing going. She said, we have kids now, and you need to spend time with a family, because I was working 70 hours a week. And she said, it's too much. And you know, God dealt with me, and I went to the scripture, and I said, I'm sinning against my family, my wife, my kids, the Lord. And sooner or later, your body will break down. What does Jesus say? He says that Sabbath was, man was not made for the Sabbath. In other words, don't get legalistic about it, but Sabbath was made for man. And I'm going to stop there because Pastor Dinah has a whole word from the Lord on this. I'm going to let her share the rest. It's good. Is exercise a part of your life? Or are you just sitting on your couch waiting for the rapture to happen? Those are some of the roots of healing, some of the things. Let me just talk about the gift of miracles, and then I'm going to close. Miracles are, uh, many times, they are gifts of healing uh, in a miraculous way, but miracles can be all sorts of other things, too. It's an event that overrides or defies the natural laws or systems of order in the universe by God's power and will. I love Acts 8, 39 and 40. It says, when they came up out of the water, remember Philip is baptizing the Ethiopian. It says, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. So we're talking about hypersonic uh, air flight right now. Philip moved even faster than that. God said, we need you over here, and all of a sudden he appears there. I love that. I want that. Sorry. There's got to be a kingdom reason. Do you know this has happened, actually, in modern times? One of my favorite stories reading about that was a prayer group in South Africa, and they were seeking God for the healing of their friend who was miles away, and all of a sudden one of their group was gone and was there at the bedside of their friend who prayed over him, and he was healed. Some of you are saying, I have a hard time believing that. That's because it's a miracle. We always have a hard time believing that, <laughs> okay? The purpose of miracles to bring deliverance to God's people to confirm God's word and witness, to aid the spreading of the gospel, to meet a crisis in time of need. It's just amazing what uh, we will believe or what we won't believe. By the way, one of the, uh, if you want to talk about belief, one of the scientists I read came up with a theory that the reason Jesus was able to walk on water is a one in a thousand year event where ice appeared on the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> And they're floating patches of ice. So he's got, he's got a long way to believe that, okay? Exactly. So it all depends on what you have faith in. I choose to have faith in Jesus, okay? Let me just share for time's sake. Years ago when my son Michael was small, and you saw his kids up here today, so I was thinking about when he was that age. He was about, I think, 12 years old. He and his friends were, they had this hill and they had set up a bike ramp where they were, bike ramps always make blood pressure go up for parents, right? Okay, bike ramps are serious. So they had this thing where they were going, and you know, as a dad, I didn't want to, uh, I wanted my kid to be a, a true man, manly boy, and let him do things, you know, within reason, so we were fine with that. Well, he crashed. He went over the handlebars and he landed on his face, and his nose was broken. Uh, it was so bad, and they his friends carried him in 
and put him on the floor. And immediately we called 911. We called, um, you know, paramedics. And he's laying there on the floor. And he said, Dad, aren't you going to pray for me? (laughs) I felt so guilty. And we had friends there. We gathered around and we prayed. And as we prayed, I watched his nose come back into shape. And by the time the paramedics got there, all they needed was just an ice pack. And uh, he went in for the x-rays. Everything was fine. But I'm telling you, his face, his nose was all flattened and broken, all this stuff. And God healed and changed that. When we started this church, I think it was the second or third month that we started this church, um, Janice and I were bicycling uh, on the bike path down in the valley. And... um, she went off the side. She slipped on some gravel, and her bike went off the side. She tumbled about 14 feet down under these big rocks, and she really bruised her side. And, uh, I mean, she had a serious bruise, and uh, it was pretty bad. But we didn't go to the doctor. We thought she was going to be okay. That was on Saturday. On Sunday morning, she got up, and she was passing a lot of blood. And this is something you never want to see, our paramedics in your bedroom. You know, and I said, Janice, lay down on the bed. I called the paramedics and they showed up. So this is Sunday morning. This is about nine o'clock. Church is going to start at 10. We were meeting in a school in Hudson. And um, I said, Janice, I'm going to just have someone else take the service. She said, you are supposed to preach this morning. And I'm going to get one of the ladies, call this lady, and she's going to go with me to the hospital and everything's going to be okay. So we got together, and at 10 o'clock, I told everybody what was going on. At 10.07, we prayed, and we cried out to God for Janice to be healed. At 10.07, they had already done tests on her, okay? They had already taken her blood. They had already done this. They determined that she had internal bleeding. At 10.07, she felt something change inside of her, and she was instantly healed. It was a testimony to our church, they did, they did more tests, and they found out that she was okay, and they sent her home. No more bleeding, no more problems. That's a miracle. And there are so many times when we have seen God intervene. And by the way, I asked her later, I said, so when did you feel like things shifted? She said it was about 10-10. It was right when we were praying. God does miracles. The last example I have is Pastor Daniel Ekenku. I love this because we hear people being raised from the dead. I'll just summarize the story. If you want the whole copy, I'll send it to you. He died. He was dead for three days. They embalmed him. There was a evangelistic, Reinhard Bonnke was having a evangelistic event. And his wife said, I want to take him there. I want to pray. I feel like we're not supposed to give up. At this point, you're telling the lady, honey, it's going to be okay. You have to let go. We need to bury him. He's been gone three days. Things don't happen. So they tried to carry him in, and the police were so aggravated that they were carrying a dead body in a coffin that they wouldn't let it in. So they took him out of the coffin and carried him outside of the coffin to get him in to this room next to where the Reinhard Bonnke thing was going on. And they prayed for him, and he began to cough, he began to move, and he sat up. And he started yelling. See, this is, I love stories like this. He said, water, water, I need water. (laughs) 
You would too, especially if they had replaced all your blood and everything like that. He was totally normal. And, the, and I've, this, this has been documented. It's one of the, the most documented things out there. I believe in the days to come that God is going to intensify miracles because he wants to prove to people in the world. They happen much more prevalently in other parts of the world because we're so Western and full of unbelief and so materialistic in our worldview. People like Jesus, remember Jesus in his hometown? He couldn't do any miracles because of the unbelief there. But we believe, don't we? Can we stand together? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we just ask the Lord together to give us everything he has for us? Lord, we just thank you so much that you have given us these gifts that are so amazing. Lord, I want to hear in the days to come people reaching out to family members, friends, maybe even people they don't even know at Mark's, at Krieger's, at Giant Eagle, where they work, Lord. It doesn't matter where they are, but I pray, Father, that you would cause your faith to arise in us. And I pray, Lord, for the impartation of your gift of healing in this body of believers, Lord, that as we go forth, Father, that you would set divine appointments. There are people out there that desperately need to know you. I pray, Lord, that you would break the spirit of unbelief that has come because we've had an incomplete teaching, the worldview that we live in, Lord. They're so counter to you, Father. They're, they're almost anti-God in, in many ways. But I pray, Lord, that you would shift things. And I pray, Lord, that you would open the hearts of people, Lord, around us in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, as we've talked about these gifts, I pray that we're not just talking, but that you would begin to bring those opportunities about where we can do that. And I pray for boldness. I believe, Lord, there are people here in the next couple weeks, the next month, you're going to give an opportunity for them to pray for people and people are going to be healed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Before we go, how many of you would say, I need a miracle right now? But there are people around. Look around. People raising hands. Will you just gather around them? Those of you that are standing by them and just gently lay a hand on them. Keep your hand up if you need prayer. Thank you, God. Just begin to pray for them right now, right where you are. Just lift up prayer for them. Father, there are people in this room that need a breakthrough from you, God. And we ask you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to suspend the laws of nature and do the supernatural, Lord. We ask you to come and touch people in the name of Jesus. Lord, there are people that have chronic health problems that need to be touched by you. People that have suffered uh, setbacks in their health, and I pray that you would reverse and restore in the name of Jesus. There are some, Lord, I pray that you would give wisdom because there's a spiritual root to what they're experiencing. And I pray, Father, that you would give words of wisdom and words of knowledge. Lord, we just look to you. We thank you, Lord, for doctors and the nurses and medical personnel, but we look to you above all. You are the great physician, and we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We bless you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Fathers, we go forth today. Just let your hand rest upon us. Make us instruments of your love wherever we go.
give us boldness, Lord, and to obey you, to step out in faith and use the gifts that you're giving us, God, we pray. We thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Let's go in the blessing of the Lord.